Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard, where super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co-host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. We're joined by Beverly uh, Ehrlich. I I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, but if I'm not, please keep me honest. Uh, Beverly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, Raji, that's great. It's a German surname and you said it beautifully. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank balance. you for having me here. For sure. So I'm going to read uh, Beverly's uh, bio as a quick introduction for our listeners, uh, written in her own words. Uh, Beverly Ehrlich is a relationship coach. She firmly believes that we heal, grow, and thrive through healthy and cherishing relationships that show appreciation for each other's strengths and build on them. Feeling helpless and strained when her husband of many years found themselves in the depths of depression, they turned for support to Terry Rail's Relationship Life Therapy, RLT. She has since dedicated her life to bringing couples back into healthy connectedness. Okay, that's an interesting concept. Uh, Beverly encourages her clients to stand up for themselves with love while cherishing their partner at the same time. She teaches strategies that help clients speak their truth so that their partner can hear them and come into repair quicker each time they have a fallout. Her core passion and mission are educating and empowering full respect living with a deeper level of consciousness and authentic expression. Now, I got to say, Beverly, there's a lot there. And if you could, you know, kindly, you know, unpack that. And maybe if you could, you know, just for context, kind of like maybe tell us as to how you kind of got into this. Like, were you always a relationship coach or like, what's your secret superhero origin story? Okay, sure. So in the coaching world, I originally started off helping people accomplish their dreams. And one way, one of the steps I would teach is to encourage people to join your mission, is to form connections of people who support what you're doing, because we never create anything by ourselves. Okay, so you're building like a supportive group of folks who know know you and, you know, and want you to do well and support you in that mission. Okay. Right. If you think about it, going from a one system resource in my head to spreading it out there and seeing the more I share it with others, the more this will possibly come true. Okay. 
I, I think that's great. And I think that fits very well with what we do, you know, what the podcast is all about, right? It's all about networking. And for us, the idea behind networking is kind of finding that core group of people. You know, you meet a exactly. lot to begin with and then you kind of boil it down. So, okay. Exactly. So just going with your theme, the best thing that you can do in any business is invest in the people that you're working with or in the people in your network. Right. That is your best investment is with the people before you do your nuts and bolts of the finances and what you're selling or what you need right. to receive in your business. And that very much fits in with relationships. So then, as you said, Rajiv, um, I took a turn when my husband became ill and I took him from family therapist or couples therapist to couples therapist, realizing that. I was here, I'm bringing you my problem, can you fix him? And many of these <laughs> therapists, that's exactly what they try to do. And they miss the subtlety of the relationship, of the fact that we are a team, that I can help his healing. Okay, so they and viewed him as an somebody, individual. And they saw it as, you're right, you have this problem, it needs to be resolved. They didn't give space to the couple which is the team, which is we're in this together until someone took me on and highlighted my part. Okay, in, wow. In the recovery. And that helped with our relational recovery as well. So it seems like a strange oxymoron of sorts, unless you were just surrounded by the, by the wrong kind of therapist, because if a therapist is looking at a couple, which, well, for all effective purposes, is like a single cohesive unit, or, or at least it should be, uh, but then why would they look at a couple as two individuals paired together? I mean, I mean, well, sure, people are individualistic. I mean, I get that. But but why do you think that they were kind of looking at, at individual and this is like a your problem, you know, as opposed to this is like our problem. Let's kind of solve it together. Why do you think that was? Or so were they just two all... aspects to that, Rajiv, and it's, it's a great question. Firstly, when we're individualistic, as our society often is, I'm independent, I'm strong. Those are often quote-unquote masculine um, qualities as opposed to being vulnerable, being open to connectedness. Those aren't necessarily qualities that are promoted in our society. You, you have to be strong. And to my husband, you need to get well now. <laughs> and then the other part is and many therapies don't look at this and this is very much what I do look at there's a spectrum of self-esteem which runs from shame which are the people you'll find in your therapy room to grandiose and entitled hello that was me I was the <laughs> grandiose entitled one to a I needed a well husband and he's the problem fix him Oh, that's and they were falling into that instead of taking on my grandiosity and saying for relationship, you need to come down. Okay. You need to love demands democracy, eye to eye, not you're better than he is and he's sick and underneath you. So did you find a therapist who finally took the right approach? I did. I felt okay. I found a therapist who took me on and showed me my part and helped me come back into healthy relationship with my husband rather than staying outside and being one up. <laughs> Instead of oh. it sounds like taking your car to the shop, right? And you leave your car at the shop for the day and say, when I come back tonight, I expect my car to be fixed. Exactly, which is what many therapists do. They miss that coupling part. 
Okay. And we both have a part in this. Sorry, Rajiv, go ahead. No, I was just saying, so it seems like, you know, until you found, you know, your therapist that kind of, you know, understood the situation and the, you know, the, I guess the equation, the relationship, the nuance that you and your partner shared, uh, until that point, I guess, you know, most of the therapists that you kind of uh, ran into or visited or consulted with seemed to operate from a more myopic approach as opposed to a holistic approach. Because I think the holistic approach would actually see you both as two unit and understand that relationship as opposed to just narrowing the focus on the one and just looking at them and trying to kind of like fix them, so to speak. Uh, and I don't know, it's just like really curious, but also I guess for context, uh, like when in the world did this happen? Like was this in the last 10 years, 20 years, just so, just hmm. so that I we know for when context? Our biography. It happened about four years ago. Oh wow, that's um, very recent. Yeah, and then and then my journey big. Then I deepened my own work in this in the RLT institution, uh, the Re relational life institution, and my husband joined me with some of the courses. Um, that and so that's when studying. you pivoted your business as well. Then that's when I pivoted After it, and training. then I started seeing that in fact, when people come to me, the challenge is always within a relationship. That was all they were bringing. That's all we talk about is our so, challenge in relationship. Uh, Bev, so I'm looking at your bio here again, and there are several very, very powerful phrases or words that are included, which I think our audience could greatly benefit from by understanding, the, you know, like the deeper meaning or the significance of it. One of these words are, you said, empowering full respect living. So that's one. And the second was deeper level of consciousness and authentic and authentic expression so could you kind of like maybe demystify what yeah like both of those mean and their significance to you okay so full respect living means that i i see our relationship i see relationships as our biosphere it's the air we breathe you can think of it as our house if I'm going to throw garbage into the living room, I can scream and shout here. I'm going to pay for it as my husband withdraws, punishes, retaliates as my partner. And soon the lounge, the living area will become full of garbage and <laughs> the air won't be easy to breathe and we'll move out. Full respect living means I pause and I listen. And I think, how can what how can I give you what you need right now? I hear you're upset, upset. This is not about me right now. I take that pause. What do you need right in this moment that I can do? And it's not, well, you never, you always, because that's in the past. I can't fix that. I can give um, you something that you read right now. I might not be able to give you everything. But to, that's coming in back into repair. And that's the respect. When it's not about me, if I can just give you one more metaphor. If I go to the customer service counter with my broken microwave and I say, my microwave is broken. And she says to me, you think you've got problems? My toast is broken. <laughs> that is how many relationships work. I'm upset and angry with you now. And your partner responds, you think you're upset because I'm, no. In pure customer service, it's how can I serve you in this moment? 
You will get your chance to make your request, but not right now. Right now, your partner's upset. And why do you want to do what they ask? Because you love them. Because you live with them. That that was kind of my next question, right? So part of it is, it, I mean, I, I love these things. I saw all these layers, right? So one is you're indicating kind of the bond, right? By saying, you know, you want to help fix their problem, help them fix their problem. Sorry, if I can just correct. It's not I want to help them fix their problem. Okay. They're making a request. There's a problem between us right now. There's okay. a rupture. And they're asking, how can we fix this together? It's not a you and me. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, it's like an us as opposed it's to a us. you and me. This okay. is our challenge. I'm upset now. I want to get back into closeness with you. How can I do that? Okay. Right, right. So that that's the the person who's doing the responding, right? And so indicating that that there's value to this relationship, right? Because otherwise, otherwise you'd 100%. say, well, that's not that's not my problem, you know, go away, sort of thing. That's exactly. interesting, right? So, huh. so I guess that sort of I guess explains in part the the next phrase in that same sentence, which was a deeper level of consciousness, because I think consciousness has a lot to do with self awareness and mindfulness thoughtfulness even so i think what you're saying obviously kind of like correlates to being mindful and thoughtful and present and aware you kind of really taken the entire situation and kind of stepping away and not letting your ego drive that that next interaction or the next exchange so i mean i understand that from that standpoint right rajiv can i just put that in my language please please yeah so what I love what you're saying, we call first consciousness knee-jerk. That's how I always respond. And the fight escalates in the pattern that it always has. Second consciousness, which is that mindfulness, is saying we talk about the wounded child, the adapted adaptive child, which is usually the part that's responding, and the wise adult. That wise adult is interested in relationship. How can I respond differently this time? Because then my partner will have to respond differently too. That takes pause, that takes timeouts, and that takes responsible distance taking. There, there are many tools to learn that. It's not easy to get into second consciousness. And I, I saw I saw that wise adult idea is a is a very consistent theme. In, in a lot of your writings. Now, is, is that a role? I don't know if you think of it as a role. Is that something that we should always be striving to, to be carrying around at all times? Right. right? Not just so, when there's an issue. Absolutely. Our adaptive child part of us is what adapted when we were very young to the trauma that we were experiencing. Whatever that trauma is, could be neglect uh, in terms of our parents didn't answer us the minute we asked for something. <laughs> Um, I'm not necessarily talking about big T um, boundary violation traumas. I'm talking about small things that we all experience. Right. So, and that adaptive child is into scarcity. There isn't enough in this world. I need to protect myself. I need to get what I need. The wise adult sees that we can do this together. We're richer together. So when right. we have a challenge, how do we work this out and navigate and negotiate is key word here. To make it better for both of us, not and, just for me. And what so, are the <laughs> well, go ahead, Rajiv. Yeah, well, so uh, Beverly, I thought I'd play maybe devil's advocate just briefly and just I don't know, like maybe 
uh, challenge, you know, like maybe one of the things, or maybe just, you know, present like another point of view and just kind of have your response to that. Uh, so like, I'm just looking at that, that the last sentence of your bio that I did read out in, as your introduction, uh, which reads deeper level of consciousness and authentic and authentic expression. Now, authentic expression seems like whatever is true to you at that moment in time. Now, it's possible that maybe at that moment in time, the your authentic self just wants to share your emotion at that moment in time just to get it out of your system. Uh, now, it may it may not be within the full scope or range of uh, you know deeper level of consciousness. But then, how do you reconcile? the authentic expression with the deeper level of consciousness because it may not be that full deeper level of consciousness maybe one part of it is just getting that out of your system maybe venting ranting whatever that is but just right. to get it out because that's how you really are feeling at that moment in time right. i love it it's such a great question rajiv and it speaks into what we were just talking about i can rant and rave and really <clears throat> bath into a bag and say here now take this <laughs> That is adaptive child. When I'm upset, I can tell you I'm upset, but I don't have to throw all the mud and dirt and garbage at you. That is an almost an old concept of psychotherapy. I can say what I like. It doesn't matter what, what the result is, what you feel. No, I can express my anger, my hurt, but it doesn't have to be insulting. If I stay on my side of the line, as I often ask people, people come in, I just wish he, no, no, just say what you want. And Rajiv, here will be a little mini coaching, if you like. Every complaint that we have, every complaint that, every complaint that we have has a request underneath it. Oh, wait, 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 can you, okay, can you stop? stop? Wait, yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting, waiting for Rajiv to come back. You're back? Yeah, oh, that's fine. Right. Can, can you, let, let, I, I've never heard that before, but I, I, I find that every complaint has a request underneath. Yeah. Okay. Can you? You never take the garbage out when I ask. I would really like it if you could take the garbage out within 10 minutes of my requesting. That's clear. And then your partner can say yes. Or no, or negotiate. I can do it within half an hour or honey, I'll do it at night before we go to bed. And then you can say, okay, that's fine. Or renegotiate that. Right. But you've made a clear request instead of this usual, just complaining, you never, you always. Sure. So let, let me ask you about that. So if somebody says, could you take out the garbage out, you know, on the schedule, you might be inclined to say yes, right? If somebody says, you know, you never take the garbage out, you know, my response would be, well, you know, you know, you always leave the toilet seat down or up or whatever. Yeah, you get defensive. Right. You get defensive. And it's like That's oh, adaptive yeah. child. Right. Right. So how do you but if someone stays as an adaptive child, right, how do you bring them to the wise adult? Or is that not the way to, right way to look at it? That's a beautiful way of looking at it. And that's what we want. We want to bring people into their wise adult into that first consciousness so that is the work we do people have never heard this before people are on automatic we don't mm. have learn relationship skills we just watch the adults around us in fact Pia Melody says who are we as adults we're just children who've cobbled together an image of an adult we're children dressed <laughs> up in adult clothing okay 
And so we want to bring that to conscious. That's the work. Okay. What is a better way? When your wife says to you, can you take out the garbage? Can you respond to that and not say, yeah, but I need you. No, you're at the customer. She's at the customer service window now. Right. What can you respond to her? Well, can I ask you about that? So are there instances where it's not, as they say, it's not about the garbage, right? It's like, hi, I would like to catalog all of your faults. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's, so it's, not, I, so I, I can. Are we talking I about don't, the I, two I don't of you? Want, I'm sorry, Bethany. Are we talking about your relationship now? Your, yours and Rajiv's? Well, the, 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 <laughs> this is probably why I'm divorced, right? It's like, it's it's not about the garbage. It's just like, you know, I'm really mad at you and I, I'm going to pick on something to show I'm mad at you. And and so even if I said, you know, Beverly, you never take out the garbage and you say, okay, I'll take out the garbage. Well, my next response will be, yeah, but you, and you, you, you always lose the clicker for the TV or there's something else, right? So I don't, right. I don't really want a resolution. I just want to be be annoying. Right. So you're talking about transmission reception work. And that's a beautiful question, Victor, because it applies a lot to women. Women will come and say, this is my problem in my husband. Can you fix it? And the minute the man starts, I'm talking heterosexual because this is often how it shows up. Yeah, that's fine. The minute the man starts giving, that's exactly the wife's response. She's not open to the reception. And that is also work. Did you just hear what he said? Huh. Can you take that in? Oh, that's oh, I believe in this. Can't stop a minute. Right. Did you just hear what he said? And can that's you take interesting. That in? Because there, there is this concept of, you know, you can't take yes for an answer. Right. I just heard you complain about something. I said I would deal with it, but you're still mad, right? So that means there's something else going yeah, on. Something there's, there's something deeper, right? And so is that where you kind of come in, Beth, to try to dig a little bit more and figure out what's the real problem? It's not the garbage. It's right. Well, that deeper is the triggering of the adaptive child. When we're in argument right. with someone, we have left the present moment and we've gone back to a nagging parent, a controlling father, an alcoholic uncle or whatever it is right we have left the present moment that's the triggering so it's not the man who's just cut us off in the traffic right, right. we've been triggered ah that's so so okay so beverly I, again i'm just <laughs> gonna be maybe just the, the friendly neighborhood contrarian here <laughs> just kind of like mix it up here uh so i mean i i get everything that you're saying and and you know everything that you're saying you know makes a lot of sense holds a lot of water and is very constructive it is very constructive it's very productive and it's very focused on an ideal outcome my question to you is like when people start speaking this way isn't this i mean doesn't it kind of feel like a more more curated experience of life as opposed to real life because when you speak this way it almost sounds like you know therapists speak as opposed to real speak you know and (laughs) i hear hear that so often if you hear this often enough, I think it's going to tick you off because then people are going to say that, hey, don't shrink me or don't handle <laughs> me or, you know, stuff like that. So how right. do you kind of either deal with that or how do you reconcile it or is there a, mid- or is there a middle ground? Right. So I, w- I want to relate to two things you said. I'll relate to the second part 
Second, that how do you get to an ideal relationship or situation? And I want to relate to this. It feels so unnatural and scripted what you're saying, Beverly. And my yes. answer is always, well, how does it work? How's it been working out for you the way you've been doing it? <laughs> Pretty badly. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, Rajiv, to go to your the first part, you said an ideal outcome. I want to remind you and all the listeners, because we are very influenced by social media, a beautiful, healthy relationship is one that goes through the dance of harmony, rapture, and repair again and again and again. It could happen five minutes in the course of a conversation, 10 minutes, 10 times, it, but it happens again and again. And the magic is in the repair. And yeah, many of us on? never see the repair from our <laughs> families you, of origin. Yeah, you tell a little bit? I, I know you and I talked about that offline at some point, Beverly. I, I, I really love the concept because as soon as you say it, I can picture it. Um, although, yeah, I would never have come up with this on my own. And so how does that work? And how do you navigate that cycle? Okay, so the first stage of falling in love is we have the soul connection. It's love, I call it, without right. knowledge. We'd have no concept of, does he leave that toilet seat up? Does he leave his socks lying around? How does he manage his bank account? We've right. just got this wonderful soul connection. Then we have knowledge without love. It drives me crazy that you leave your socks strewn all over the house. And then we come back into that repair where, oh, I know you know now, knowing love, I know that you leave your socks and I can decide either I'm going to pick them up or I'm going to ask you of all the things you do that annoy me, you leave the toilet seat, I'm going to maybe choose one thing this week. Would it be possible for you or just on a Friday to pick up all your socks? Right. That that's and we go through that again and again and again. And that's healthy relationship. Not happy, happy like you see on Facebook. Right. I mean, you you know, what the the problem, I mean, right. Social media, you always see people, you know, living these fabulous lives and you become incredibly jealous. But even in the old days of, you know, television and movies, <laughs> you know, movies have an ending, right? And it's ha happy, they live happily ever after, which kind of implies there's never any problems. And you're always thinking, well, how come my life doesn't, doesn't look like that exactly so, so harmony i'm sorry harmony connectedness okay connectedness disconnect and then coming back into the connectedness so now that i'm in relational recovery with my husband for instance we come into that repair much more quickly we could spend a night not talking to each other or he could say to me look is this how you want to spend the night or you want to move on ah okay yeah, let's have a nice night cuddling on the couch watching something. Netflix and chill. So, all right. So <laughs> what about the situation? What, but it requires like a give and take, like any real negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. So let, let, let's, let's look at the dark side, right? How do you know when, <laughs> sorry, Rajiv, but uh, how do you know when like, okay, this, this is, you know, here's the problem. I'm, we're doing, I'm trying to do what Bev suggested. But this is, this is probably kaput. Right. So the, it, it's a dark night of the soul. <laughs> Rajiv is finding this so funny. It's a dark night of the soul when you're in disconnect, when that shadow falls. That is already darkness. Right. Um, I had a case like that today where I am considering, and 
one of the partners brought it up. Like, I don't think this can be healed. And that's okay. The healing might not be able to take place there, but let's at least have the dissolution as respectfully and kindly as we can. Uh, so, Beverly, so like just to kind of like piggyback off what, you know, Victor just said. So, you know, when, like when you have, let's say, either harmony or disharmony, now, you know, you know, based on your modality, like, is it, like, is it imperative for both parties to kind of like agree to kind of treat relationships or approach relationships in the way that in which you describe where both of them have gotten some education and awareness on, you know, language, words, tonality, all that. And what is the best ideal approach of how to approach certain situations? So is it really imperative that both parties be, let's say, equally invested in this approach to thus have harmony? Or mm -hmm. could it work where, let's say, one person is, you know, more evolved, so to speak, and the other person is resistant to it, says, this is all boo-boo stuff, I don't want any any part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, life's fine the way that it is, I'm just going to continue doing me. So in... So I guess my question to you is like, is situation one kind of like imperative for it to work out or can situation two also work out where, you know, like one person is kind of like this really understanding, knowledgeable person who's kind of, you know, approaching it, you know, in the most pragmatic way possible. But can it work if the other person is not invested in that approach at all? So right. if I could rephrase, I think what Rajiv is asking is, can you drag somebody kicking and screaming into harmony if they don't want to go there? <laughs> I, I see we're touching on some touchy points here between the two of you. <laughs> um, let's just come back a minute. Okay. You can't be, Rajiv, single and married at the same time. Yeah. You have to choose. And so the answer is clearly, if you're not committed to this, and some people will say, I don't see that I have a problem here, that I don't see that I'm the problem here. And you know what? No, I don't want to change. Then it's not for me to decide. It's not my life. It's for the other partner. And I, I wrote that in my bike to be able to either stand up and say, okay, I can't live like this, or to say, I accept it. I'm going to live miserably for the rest of my life with you. That is your choice. That is your choice. I would like to try and empower the person who feels weaker in the relationship. But only if they want to be empowered, only if they want to stand up lovingly. But right. otherwise, you can't. You can't force someone into therapy or into change. Never, ever. We can't control the other. I think that's amazingly insightful, but but the thing that struck me, especially at the beginning of Beverly, right? I mean, I, this is sort of a gross overgeneralization is that the person who says I'm not the problem is the person who's the problem. Right? No, Victor. No? Okay. They both. Remember, this is a oh, it has two to be together. Thing. Okay. You can't be in a relationship by yourself. It's never a one-sided affair. Okay. Right. It's a Sorry, minimum that, that, was my, that was my more cynical side coming it's out. It's so. a minimum oh, of taking two. Notes, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Beverly, go ahead. No, it's a minimum of two. Right. In a relationship. Okay. And both have to make concessions and and negotiations and changes. Yeah. If they so wish. Yeah, that's interesting. 
That's very funny because one of the first classes I took in business school, I mean, I know we're talking about like an intimate romantic relationship here, but one of the first classes I took in business school was organizational management. And I think the first day of class, the concept was if you're, if you're, if you're doing, working all by yourself, it's fine. Everything's on you, right? But as soon as there's a second person and even in a business arrangement, right? Now there's going to, you know, sometimes it's going to be great. Sometimes it's not. And you're going to have to figure out how to, how to navigate through that, you know, using much the same techniques. hundred uh, percent. You know, Rewired for connection. Right. You have to make a connection. And, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's the part I don't like. So, um, yeah, but so I, that's the part about being adult. Oh, for, oh, but it was so much more fun, the, being, sometimes so much more fun being a child. And there's repair. There's rupture and there's repair. Right. And that's part of being an adult, recognizing that. And it's harmony, rapture, repair. Is that the right order? Yeah. Rapture. Yeah. Okay. Harmony, rapture, repair. Rapture, yeah. not rapture. Rapture. Breaking rapture. apart. Oh, rupture. Rupture. Oh, rapture. Okay. oh I heard rapture. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Connectedness, disconnectedness, and coming together again. Oh. oh I'm glad you clarified that, Victor, because yeah. I was using a rapture, that. A break. Har harmony. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Beverly. We're always looking for the upside, so that's why we thought it was rapture, right? Yeah. Okay, so harmony, rupture, repair, right? And I, I should know this because you and I, we've talked about this before. Right. So, okay, okay, all right. So, so, so yeah, Rajiv, I'm glad we, I'm glad we clarified that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I think Beverly, this has been like an absolute fascinating. I don't know, uh, conversation, dissertation, even on, you know, relationships, because as you can see, relationships are extremely personal to everyone, you know, because everyone is in some kind of a relationship or other, whether it's a personal relationship, business relationship, friendship, partnership, alliance, whatever you call it, it's still a relationship. And, mm -hmm. it, and if it's worth anything, it means a lot to you. And you obviously want to nurture that because you want a favorable outcome out of it. So I think many things that you've shared today are things that I think our listeners can take and apply immediately, or at least begin to uh, introspect and look inwards and kind of understand as to why things happen the way they happen, maybe take some responsibility. And of course, you know, if they need <coughs> professional help, obviously reach out to you and, you know, maybe get like a consultation or something like that. So um, I think you have a great framework. And I think that, you know, I think if people actually sat down, it's, it, I think it really helps people understand both what the situation is, because, you know, normally people just fight with each other. And then also you have sort of a clearer path to uh, to some sort of resolution. And also, I, I also like the, sorry, I also like the element where you're saying not everything can get fixed. And I think that's a very realistic approach. to right. that. So I, I think people could definitely benefit from talking to you. And I think, Rajiv, what you said about the nurture, I use the word also cherishing, what you do have. You kind of glimpsed over it quite quickly, but it's to nurture what we do have and to amplify it. The more you get, the more you amplify and cherish, it's like you give a dog a bone, the more you'll get what you want. Mm. But if you right. don't think your partner knows because you don't, because you haven't said it, he's not a mind reader. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. So, Beverly, I mean, I think we would absolutely love to, you know, have you on again, because as I've said this many times in earlier episodes, 
you can't eat an elephant in a single sitting and you know relationships <laughs> are such a often nebulous concept that they are both deep as they are wide and you know we've kind of i think barely scratched the surface in this conversation and you know perhaps in the next conversation that we have with you maybe we can even touch on you know some you know like potential uh, like some concepts that you did kind of like touch on like you know briefly in this in this conversation like soulmates and things like that as well as uh, you know when it comes to relationships there's this there's this concept of love languages and mm. you know some people feel very strongly that it's quite applicable others feel completely opposed to it so obviously you know maybe that and the soulmate concept and a bunch of other things could form a really great follow up episode uh, but yeah. you know relationships are kind of like what make the world you know go on and i think that's what keeps life interesting i mean that's why reality tv exists right because it's all relationships and often train wrecks but you know i mean relationships nonetheless and it is extremely entertaining and engaging uh but but yeah i mean so anyway but beverly just to kind of like summarize it was absolutely phenomenal you know having you uh, and we would absolutely love to have you on again sure i'd love to be and i'd love to be ch chat with you again because i agree with you there's so much we can learn and if i can leave the listeners with just one kind of thing to to walk with you is to remember that there's nothing that harshness does that mm. loving kindness won't do better. <laughs> to wow. be kind to each other. I love that. I that love is that. really that is great. That is a, a fabulous, uh, fa fabulous thing to leave leave people with. Yeah, that, that's like a mic drop right there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Please send us your comments and questions about networking by posting them in the comments below. Or for a quick response, email us at dintlearn at harvard at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. It means the world to us. Try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it. or if you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you, no charge. That's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned something here today.